Welcome to Grace Touch. This is the 10th episode of Grace Touch and the title is The 11th Hour. I'm your host, Nathalie, and this is Coco. Hi, everyone. Great. So today, um, so I, I suggested this topic. I would like us to reflect on, you know, the 11th hour. So usually when that expression is used, it refers to Um, Christians or, you know, praying about something, asking God for help on, you know, a specific topic. And there is this idea that, you know, sometimes maybe um, God will answer our prayer or, you know, give us the, the little push or help that we need at the last minute. So basically at the 11th hour in that um, context. What is interesting is to know that that term actually, um, the first time I think it is mentioned in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 20th, and it does not refer at all to God answering a prayer late, you know, in what appears to be late for us. So my my focus um, for this episode is when it comes to the promises that God spoke in our lives. Or, you know, when it comes to the prayers that we've made, and we know there is a little bit of um, a timing on it, like a, a deadline coming, a, a, a clock um, ticking. Why the delay? Why does it feel as if on our end, it feels as if there is this delay? It feels, that it feels as if we've been waiting forever. So for that, I want us to go back to... Um, the some of the passages in the Bible that we studied... In the beginning of the year, we mentioned the people of Israel um, being set free from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and embarking on a journey, traveling to a promised land. And at some point, lots of things happen in the desert. So a trip that should have taken them um, a few days, a couple of weeks, um, ended up lasting 40 years and being 40 years of them wandering in the desert. We are reading from Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 to 12. Sorry, sis. Those, no apologies. Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 to 12. Can yeah. I suggest we try the New King James Version this time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay? Right, I'm reading it. So I like the New King James Version. It has these little nifty titles that give you an idea of what the chapter is talking about. And this one, the title is The Second Generation Circumcised. So let's read from verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, 
all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, he being God. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Thank you, sis. <clears throat> My pleasure. What a great passage. <laughs> so would you like to share your thoughts on that? Well, as I was reading, a couple of things jumped out to me. First of all, um, the number of times where it says circumcised in there is quite hilarious. <laughs> Every time you read one, you're like, okay, uh, I don't know, the word appears a lot of times. So obviously the circumcision, that event is really important um, in that place. Secondly, I think this passage gives us a bit of a response as to why they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Because Joshua chapter 5 verse 6 says, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. So it was basically, if I understand this passage correctly, waiting for that generation to die. At least so, so it seems. The other thing that um, really jumped out to me was the two times where it says till all the people who were men of war earlier in verse 4 all the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war. There's something about being a man of war which seems to be linked to the fact that they did not listen to the Lord. And I'm using listen, but the, ver the verb we would use is obey. Yes. But I, but I learned recently that listening in Hebrew has listening with your ears or also hearkening. It's more than just listening. So I think there's something about being a man of war, about the dis disposition of your heart, that can make it difficult for you to obey the Lord. I don't know. I'm getting a sense of that from you. And what else? Um, it was when the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Uh, I wondered about that rolling away and the naming of the place as Gilgal. Uh, that's verse 8. So if I look at the complete Jewish Bible, Gilgal means rolling. That's why it was called Gilgal. And interestingly enough, I'm wondering... Um, I don't want to get too graphic here, but in the process of circumcision, there's something about pulling the skin before cutting it. That kind of makes me think of this whole rolling away. Does that make any sense to you, or am I really stretching far here? Um, 
yeah, it's certainly an interesting connection. It is, yeah. But anyway, that's uh, I'm I'm not I'm not a, a specialist of circumcision, um, but yeah, it's just um, I just found it really interesting. Um, so I think I think I, I personally got a, an answer that I think I've seen before, but again today I noticed it a bit more that the 40 years had a purpose. There's something about eliminating a generation that did not really know how to listen to God and obey Him. But yeah, what does all this inspire you? Um, thank you for for sharing your thoughts on that. And as always, you go deep. Um, I'm, I'm smiling because the words are still sinking. So I'm not going to cover everything, but the first thing that struck me is how God turns around a situation that could have ended terribly. What strikes me is how God is not giving up on his people, regardless of what they put him through, because they didn't just it's disobey. I think sometimes you can, you know, not obey someone, um, but it, and and in not obeying, it doesn't mean that you're insulting the person. But th- there was something about um, some of the things that they, they did that was um, almost like a defiance when they went back to worshipping, you know, um, the gods of Egypt and and burning all that gold and all the ceremonies that they did in the desert when they didn't see Moses come back, you know, from Mount Sinai when he was receiving the Ten Commandments and they decided to take matter into their own hands. Yes, the Um, the, the gold uh, calf, yeah? Yes, the gold calf, thank you. That's what I was referring to. So um, I want to go back to what you said when you said, okay, so it's interesting to first notice that God never gave them a timeline. He never said, on this month, at this day, you will enter the promised land. But he did say, I will take you to a new land and, you know, and you you will be blessed when you go in there. So we see that uh, in this particular case, there was um, God delayed his promise, so to speak, in that you know, the people who left Egypt at some point disobeyed him, as you you mentioned. And because of that, verse um, 6, God vowed not to let them enter the land he had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's, it's, you know, I feel bad, so to speak, for, for them. But at the same time, I can relate, and it just makes me wonder, you know, when it comes to my own life, when it comes to our lives, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but at least for me, um, you know, are there moments in my life where there was something I was supposed to do and then I didn't do and did that or did not not, you know, delay um, things for for me. So I'm not answering that. I'm just putting it out there. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's a question many of us, if not all of us Christians ask ourselves at a certain more time. <laughs> yes, at some point. But if we're sticking just with this passage, we see that, you know, with God also, things don't have to stop there. And and if he has it his way, actually, it doesn't stop there. So the people in the desert, we see that they, they ended up dying in the desert. But the children, when they were old enough, you know, to fight, so they were circumcised, um, and then they 
they crossed the land and, you know, God also basically revealed himself to them. They had heard of the miracles that he had accomplished, but then they could see it for their eyes. Um, so there is also something interesting. So for me, in the fact that when God says something, he's going to see it through the end. We don't necessarily know, once again, the fashion in which it will happen. You know, we can't, I don't think that we can pretend to know all the small details of, you know, some of the ways um, or some of the, what the journey will look like for us. But once again, um, what I'm seeing here is that um, he keeps his word and and in the process, he um, he blesses us. Back to current days and back to us wondering, you know, is there something I did that caused a delay? Is there something I did in, you know, where I actually ended up disobeying God? <clears throat> when we have an answer, an answer to these questions, um, the answer to, you know, if it's a yes, the next step is always um, to repent. If in the process, obviously, we um, did wrong by someone, you know, we need to go back and make amends. But also, um, very first thing, coming to God, um, confessing, if it's a sin, repenting. And God promises to forgive us. And he promises to wash us clean from our iniquities. It doesn't mean that whatever actions was um, posed won't have any consequences necessarily. But we have that renewed assurance that, you know, God has forgiven us. He's, he's giving us the opportunity um, to start on a new slate, so to speak, at least with a new set of, with a new mindset or, you know, set of rules. And and I think there is comfort in that. Something also that uh, strikes me um, in the end is that up until that point, when they were wandering in the desert, again, nothing grows in the desert, as you know. So God was feeding them supernaturally. But then the moment... Um, finally, they, you know, after Passover, um, the moment they, um, they step in the promised land and the first day they ate of the crops of the land, verse 12, we see that that supernatural food, the manna, which was a bread falling from heaven, um, stopped appearing. They didn't need it anymore. So I thought that was also another, um, interesting point. So this is what I, the first point I wanted to make here in the question of, you know, why the delay um, when we um waiting for his promises. So one of the my first thoughts was, okay, it could be because of um, disobedience. And so we know that the moment we are aware of that, um, obviously we turn away from that and, and we come back to him. So the second thing that uh, was this topic brought to mind was 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Again, I'm not saying that God is late because I believe he's never late. Amen. Uh, he really, he knows, the, he knows our future. He knows, he sees things that we don't see. He knows everything about our circumstances. And then time doesn't apply to him the same way it applies to us. Um, he knows the present, the future, all at once. It's all in front of him. Um, yep. But what I'm saying is from our perspective, it can seem or feel as if, there is a delay because, you know, when you're in the midst of of a very um, difficult situation and you're waiting and you're trying and you're fighting with all your might, you know, to, to get out of it and things are not happening the way you plan or the way you hoped and you don't see the fruit of your hard labor, 
right away. It can feel as if there is a delay um, on our end. But First Peter first, um, chapter 1, verse 3 to 7, gave, gives us an insight into um, why sometimes it feels as if it is taking um, taking very long time. So I will read it for us uh, using the New Living Translation. So again, First Peter, chapter um, chapter one, verses three to seven. Reading: All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all Christians. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Verse 7, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong for many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Amen. Amen. Wow. Okay. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what really jumped um, at me in, in this passage was these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, for your faith is more precious than mere gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is not, you know, when you've been Christian for a certain amount of time, and even if you're, you're a newborn uh, believer, those are not easy words to read, in my humble opinion. They, you know, it, they don't comfort me when I'm going through trials. Okay. And, <laughs> and I'm just being honest. I understand the truth of those words. I uh, I humbly receive it and accept it. But I am still feeling the fire <laughs> when I'm reading this. Okay. And, and it's it's still hard. Um, at the end of the day, I I will come to God and I, I just tell Him, please continue to give me strength and please you know give me wisdom, uh, so that I'll make the right decisions. I'll stay strong, etc. etc. Okay. Um, so in, in, in this passage, what I'm understanding is that, um, the trials hurt us, they're painful, but he, God in his grace is turning that into a blessing. So basically he's making my faith stronger. And what I've noticed in my personal experience in, in that, we you know, when I come out of those, um, trials, when finally I'm on the other side of it, of them. I do. I indeed realize that okay, I'm I'm stronger than I was when the whole process started. Don't get me wrong. If before the trial started, God audibly told me, okay, this is what's going to happen. Are you okay with that? Shall we do this? 
Mm. Honestly, sis, my answer, I think, will be no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good to know. That's I, good I, to am, know. I am just being honest. I love him. But if he's if he if he's asking me for my opinion and and asking me how do you feel about it shall we do this um I think that I'm I admire our Lord and Savior saying your will be done if this is what should happen and, you know maybe I will come to that to my senses and and all but sometimes um if I knew all that I was going to to go through um obviously I think I will take another you know yeah. I'm up, I'm not sure necessarily that I'll, I'll jump on it. Okay, so maybe I'm ahead of myself because I'm saying it as as I'm feeling when mm-hmm. when you the pain. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know. But what I know from reading this, in that um, God does not take um, pleasure in in our suffering, and um, but you know, He's even the trials. He's um, like He says here. He's just making an testing, purifying our faith and making it, you know, um, showing this trial show that your faith is genuine. Um, it's, and again, at the end of the day, I guess we are not soldiers, but you know, <laughs> we kind of are, but we no, uh, yeah. we need to go trials. Yeah. Please. I just, uh, yeah. I, I, I just think, um, I think you, you actually like to do what the Lord says. Yeah, maybe any none of us knows how we, we would react if we knew everything beforehand, right? But yeah. I can personally vouch for you that you're not the most rebellious person by any <laughs> at all. Yeah, you are. You know, you you kind of like listening to uh, to the Lord and obeying Him. So this I'm speaking as a Natalie's uh, prayer partner and accountability partner, which is what we are for each other. But what I can say is that, um, yeah, the Lord knows that uh, if he does show us all, all the challenges ahead, we simply might lose heart, not because we don't believe in him, but because we're human, isn't it? Yes. Just because we're human, just because we're, you know, some things are too much <laughs> to, 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 be, to bear, you know? So naturally... We will, we will either be completely beat. So it's not about disobeying so much or refusing. It's just that we cannot handle it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if you were going on another tangent, but I remember your, your, your title for the beginning of this uh, podcast, this discussion, which is really interesting. Uh, the 11th hour. So at one point you were saying that it, it's not as if God waits, you know, for the last minute or something. Um, and I think this might have been a discussion that we had together before recording. Yes. We really want to convey that the Lord is not this cruel master. There's nothing cruel in the Lord, first of all. The Lord is good. God is good. That's just like the truth of all truths. And anybody who's listening, do not believe anything else, anything that says the contrary of that, because God is good. It has been tried and tested over the ages by so many different people from so many different places. God is good. That's number one. And number two, that means that he cannot find any amusement or pleasure in seeing us suffer. Um, Natalie mentioned Jesus going to see his friend Lazarus. And then he arrives when Lazarus is already dead and Jesus weeps. I'm not very clear. Some people say he wept because of the unbelief of the people who thought that. If Lazarus was already dead, he couldn't bring him back to life. Some people say he wept because 
he felt some comp compassion or something. All we can say is that he wept. That shows how God came as a human in our midst to save us. So that is a mark of a good God. So he does not take pleasure in torturing us, in testing us, in trying us, in seeing, mm, I'm going to see how they're going to react. Because sometimes that verse that you said that you're, in 1 Peter, when your faith is tested by fire, some of us seem to take it like this, okay, I'm going to pull the elastic band to see how far I can pull it, the elastic band being our faith, yeah? How far I can pull it before it snaps. That is not what God does. In fact, I believe, and Natalie, you tell me what you think, that God will only leave us in a situation if he knows that what lies ahead of us is absolutely impossible for us to overcome unless we go through this one that we are facing now. Do you agree with me on that? I agree with you, absolutely. So he's like a daddy who would say, I'm really sorry, darling, you have this sickness. This medicine, medication is awful, but if you don't drink it, you won't be able to be up and running in the next two days. So while the child is drinking this bitter liquid that is horrible, they might think, why is my daddy giving me this disgusting thing to drink? But he's actually saving your life. It's, there's something about the way God operates where I really believe that he will not not give us something now unless it's dangerous for us for our future, for our relationship with him, and ultimately for the most important thing for us, which is our salvation, not our comfort, <laughs> not even our happiness, our hmm. salvation. I don't know. So uh, I, I did a bit of research when Natalie first told me about the 11th hour. I, I just researched it a big word. I just read around to see what Christians think about it. A lot of them were talking about uh, the God of the 11th hour. And quite frankly, I was not impressed with that. So if you call my God, your God, the God of the 11th hour, I lovingly suggest you change that. <laughs> that is not a good nickname for God because he will not wait for the 11th hour to deliver us. In fact, to me, it's flipped quite the opposite. It's his, his grace will extend past the 11th hour to the very last few micro nanoseconds before the 12th hour reaches the end. Like the, the, the thief, was he? The criminal on the cross next to Jesus, yeah? Yes. He was, he, he was like, oh, you know, Lord, you, you live this good life. I had a, a horrible life. I don't know. And Jesus said, you will be in heaven. This is maybe minutes before the man died. That is the 11th hour. The 11th hour is, I can't remember, I keep forgetting the name of this king who is dying. Uh, God sends a prophet to tell him he's going to die of that sickness. And while the prophet is walking across the yard in the king's comp compound, the king is weeping out to God. He's crying out in distress and God tells the prophet, turn around and tell him I'm going to add, I can't remember, was it five years to his life? Mm. That is the God of the 11th hour. For me. So the God of the 11th hour for me is the one whose grace extends past the point where we think, okay, I'm done for. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm getting really excited as usual about these things. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Please keep going. I like that you're not holding back. Yeah, no, this is, this is my God. It's like uh, uh, increasingly so, might sound cheesy or easy to say, but literally the most important person in my life. That's really bizarre, isn't it? Because I've been a Christian for a very long time, but I think it's only in the last sort of nine, eight, nine, eight to nine years that I've really started valuing God the, the way I humbly think I should value him, you know? 
better 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 late than never <laughs> better late than never but yeah he's the one who who sustains us he's the one who yeah i don't know yeah but yeah natalie this is a, a absolutely amazing uh, topic as always so how would you conclude on this so basically the third point i wanted to make here um on that so in the end um in my opinion god is never late and he doesn't take as you mentioned he doesn't take pleasure in seeing us suffer while you know we wait and i want to conclude conclude our, um episode through a reading in the book of habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 and i was wondering if you will read it for us please yes i'm going to read from the complete jewish bible habakkuk 2 1 to 3 i will stand at my watch post I will station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what God will say through me and I, what I will answer when I am reproved. Then Adonai answered me, he said, write down the vision clearly on tablets so that even a runner can read it. I love that image. <laughs> for the vision is meant for its appointed time. It speaks of the end and it does not lie. It may take a while, but wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. This is so beautiful that I'm going to read another version, Natalie's version, favorite version, which is the New Living Translation. So the same thing again, Natalie. I know you didn't ask for two readings, only one. I will climb up to... Sorry? Yeah? No, I'm happy you're reading it twice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, sister. So, and for me, this verse is self-explanatory. Um, I just receive it as I read it. And it encourages me, um, as it says, you know, to, to be patient and to trust God until the very end. And, you know, to circle back to the way we started, um, the verse with which we started this podcast in Joshua, again, the people who wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, um, taking 40 years to make a journey that normally, I, I check when we were talking, normally will take about 11 days from from my research. So, um, Okay, that's at, good to know. Yeah. Yes. So at some point, they, and, you know, they wanted to take matter in, the, in their own hands. They wanted to make things faster they wanted to to go back to what they thought they knew so they ended up making an idol and a, you know calf god um and then of course a few times in the bible we read instances where people try to help god um and sarah at some point sarai at the time um that was her name at the time she did the same thing when she brought agar to her husband so that they will have a child and so that god's promise will be fulfilled but in this verse in Habakkuk, um, it encourages me, and I sometimes replay this verse in my heart, you know, when God is saying, it will not 
delay, it will surely happen. You know, um, it describes the end. It, it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. It doesn't always come naturally to me. But he says, <laughs> wait patiently. Yes. I don't know who, who is naturally patient, Natalie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And that right there tells me once again that, you know, God is a God of his world and he's not late. But and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, Boom. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So the eleventh hour is the hour of grace, not the hour of delay. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, sister, any parting uh, words? Um, all I can say is that uh, I don't know what kind of lis- listeners. Uh, We'll hear this message. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a, a, a variety of different people. But um, if some of you are people who are tuned into the prophetic movements of the of the time of this current time, a lot of the prophecies, particularly from North America, talk about breakthroughs and unprecedented um, uh, manifestation of God's favor on His children, not only spiritually uh, signs and wonders, but also materially etc unprecedented wealth material wealth not for us to be puffed up or whatever but to use for his glory always and things like that if you're not seeing that manifest and if on the contrary you're feeling pummeled and beaten and attacked from every side i would encourage you to do something that i myself need encouragement with (laughs) is to somehow find it in ourselves to do what David used to do so beautifully, to speak to our souls and say, my soul, why are you downcast? And to encourage ourselves to stand. And as uh, the passage in Habakkuk that Natalie just uh, read for us, or gave us to read rather, that we will declare to ourselves, the promise will be accomplished. Wait patiently. The promise will be accomplished. Wait patiently patiently if you need a variety in what you're saying you can add god is not a man that he should lie i mean the bible is full of reasons to wait on the lord the best one being this verse that says strength will rise those who wait on the on on the on the lord find that their strength is renewed because as we as we fix our eyes again and again on the lord and as we remember is a key word as we remember the things that he's done from time immemorial our faith will suddenly start rising. I am not saying it's easy, believe me. I've been on the angry side of the waiting, <laughs> if you see what I mean, uh, when I haven't been desperate. But that's, that's human. That's human. It's okay. I think what matters the most is how fast we stand up again, how fast we repent again for doubting God, how fast we get back on track, even when circumstances still haven't changed. Or you say, okay, Lord, I have no idea why this is like this. I am doing the best I can. If I make mistakes in what I'm doing, I repent, forgive me, help me, guide me, and keep me out of trouble while I'm waiting for the materialization of your promise. But I declare today, based on nothing other than your word, that the promises that you've made me stand and they will come to pass in this age. Don't give up and start saying, oh, I know I'm going to have mansions in heaven. Yes, you will but you also have promises that are going to be accomplished here on earth. And that will be my conclusion.
Amen. Thank you so much, sis. Wow. Thank you for this. Your words were super encouraging to me. Um, we thank everyone for tuning in and listening. This was episode 10 of Great Grace Touch, um, the 11th hour. Um, we wish you a very good, you know, um, week. Be encouraged, and um, until next time. Bye, blessings. Bye, blessings.